from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. India reported a little over 400 cases of COVID on Tuesday. That's nearly as low as the number of cases we were reporting in 2020 when the lockdown was still in place. Our lifestyles have nearly completely reverted to what they were before the pandemic. But in China, it's still very different. The country has stuck to its zero covid policy despite the rest of the world returning to a sort of pre-pandemic normalcy. In fact, stocks in China recently soared when there was a relaxation in norms announced. Many experts say the norms to preserve zero covid could remain for a while. Earlier this year, we spoke to a resident of Shanghai to better understand what it's like to live in China in such conditions. We're bringing back that episode today. So I've come to Shanghai first in 2013, so it's uh, almost nine years. In between, I went to Beijing, but yeah, um, from beginning to now, nine years. Why I came to Shanghai is because that when I first I first studied in. Amsterdam and then I was considering where to go when I came back and came to Shanghai I feel like it's a really international city it's a good combination of the uh foreign culture and the local culture so I feel that was the best place so it was always um very vigorous with lots of cultural activities artistic activities and you never run out of things to do here so that's one thing that I really like about Shanghai That's Junya Chian a resident of Shanghai describing why she moved to the city after finishing her studies Shanghai's been making global headlines over the past 2 months because of the stringent lockdown in the city of nearly 25 million people to curb the spread of covid-19 with lockdowns being a thing of 2020 in most countries Shanghai is an outlier with the entire city being put under lockdown as part of China's zero covid policy over the past few weeks there have been videos of frustrated residents screaming from their homes and of people being locked into buildings with green fences and angry residents banging pots and pans at night before the outbreak this year junia says that things were pretty calm in shanghai even as covid-19 spread very rapidly through the rest of the world in 2020 and 2021 a zero case policy meant that the city was functioning a lot like before the pandemic except that they had to wear masks in public places i wasn't in shanghai uh when it when the pandemic broke out i was in my hometown and so when i came back the city uh shanghai already opened up uh it was in april i think everything was normal and um so in the next two years before this march i think there were was there were like small outbreaks but most of the time um i felt life was normal so shanghai had a very accurate governance system so it's by grade by neighbors so if there's some there's just one case they would maybe lock down the neighborhood with other areas or not affected so if you are not like that unlucky to be exactly in that neighborhood um your life would just continue as normal so i always felt pretty safe in the past 2 years we needed to wear masks in metro stations and um sometimes when we went to the uh shopping malls 
they would also ask you at the entrance, um, ask you to wear the masks. But most of the time, you know, people just take it down after they <laughs> went into the shopping malls. I think that was most uh, that were most of the yeah precautions we were taking. She says it was in March that things began to change. And suddenly, the city's highly effective contact tracing system was ineffective against the highly contagious Omicron variant. The cases began rising, and very soon, a lockdown was in place. I think in early March, we started to hear that there were some cases in the city. So we thought that it, it was the same like before, as I always felt safe before. So I was also quite positive. I feel like, okay, Shanghai government will keep it under control very soon. And then, um, yeah, there, there's one day that our company informed us to start to work at home. That's the first time I feel like, okay, maybe this time it's it's different because before in the past one year that I've been working in my current company, uh, we've never been uh, asked to work at home. After I started to work at home during that weekend, um, our compound also said that, okay, we are going to close our compound for two days. Yeah, then I realized, okay, it's more severe than previously thought, but we still feel like, okay, after two days, we would be free. I was going to take a massage after working like five days at home. I feel like I needed a massage. So I uh, called to make a reservation and then they say that, okay, we're going to close tonight uh, and she said, okay, we need to close for two days. Just come back on Monday. <laughs> yeah, and then she said that like that. Uh, she was also very, very optimistic. But then, you know, the two days just stretched into another two days, another two days, another two days. Now I've been at home for more than one and a half months. So they started to uh, like just um, uh, implement sweeping lockdown in many districts and many neighborhoods. At first, I think they still, Shanghai government still tried to uh, limit the impact and try not to lock down the whole city, uh, even at the end of March. So after like 10 days, I was staying at home. Um, I still saw like saw um, the official talking in the press conference that they will not lock down Shanghai because there were rumors already. But then just several days later, <laughs> everything changed. They said, OK, we are going to lock down the city. So we guessed it's from the central government's order that we need to have a uh, citywide lockdown. At the end of March, we first started to have a half city lockdown because Shanghai is divided by a river. Yeah, on the west and on the east, we have two um, areas. So we first locked down the uh, eastern area where I was located and then the western area, but then after, after those five days, like in each area, they found that actually it needed to be longer. So the whole city eventually, like the whole city was in lockdown after that. Uh, normally we just buy online. Like me, I never, I haven't been to uh, a supermarket for a long time. I never go to the wet market to buy the uh, vegetables. I just buy online. Um, but uh, after, the after the lockdown started, it was very uh, hard, hard to buy online because everybody is there and waiting. For example, if it uh, starts to sell at eight o'clock, it's like the whole city <laughs> is just trying to, yeah, trying to get uh, order it. So it will run out very, very quickly. So it's hard to buy online. The lockdown in Shanghai sounds a lot like what India went through in 2020. 
Junior describes what it's been like in one of the world's largest cities during the lockdown. China's meaning of lockdown is different. <laughs> it's like completely locked down. So all the shops, even the supermarkets and the uh, the storefronts that sell the vegetables, they all closed. But luckily, in my compound, we have uh, it's a very big compound with seven or five thousand people. One supermarket and one place that sells vegetables and one place that sells like fruit and one place that sells the meat. They have been open most of the time during lockdown, so that really uh, helped me like <laughs> to survive the whole period. Most people don't have this. Um, these shops, supermarkets available, it would be very hard for them to um, buy the food. Then, how did they buy food, right? So uh, then later, a new kind of uh, way developed. So um, that, that is like group buying. So if you live in a big compound, you can order together, and then that supplier can send a delivery man to uh, give your uh, give like 50 uh, pieces of one thing or 50 boxes of something. So need to buy in, in chunks. People are really suffering. You know, they were not um, like eating on quota every day. <laughs> now like calculating how much I can eat today so that uh, how long I can survive. But now I think uh, the government is also trying to uh, trying to solve the problem, <laughs> although not very successfully. Uh, so they uh, gave us some packages. I think I've received six, seven, seven times of the packages from the government. Uh, sometimes uh, vegetables, sometimes noodles, even oil, milk. Um, some of them are, are donations from the other cities. But then there was also some um, bad news coming out that some people, the, the food that some people received were actually have, have expired. People also got angry about those things. Actually, it's hard to know how the city is like now <laughs> because we are in lockdown. Empty streets, everything is closed. No uh, shops open, no supermarkets open, no one um, walking outside and no cars outside. So only the cars who have the certificates uh, uh, from the government saying that you know they are very essential, uh, like they uh, deliver the essential supplies or they are medical workers, um, they can uh, go out. So the situation in China, in, in Shanghai now has already changed a little bit uh, because now there are, uh, in recent days, the number of cases has decreased already. So now the city said that, okay, we are going to, um, like revert to a previous um, policy that we divide the whole city into three kinds of areas. The area that has the least risk can go out of their compound, but in reality, they, it's still very restricted. They need a certificate. It's like one person from one household can go out for maybe like three hours per day to get the supplies, uh, but the supermarkets and some essential shops um, are starting to open in those uh, low-risk areas. There's also a lot of fear over the virus. Remember, as per official statistics, China has seen far fewer cases of COVID than any other country of its size and population. The general view is the virus is to be feared, no matter whether it's the Delta or the milder Omicron variant. I feel, I'm, I don't really fear the virus that much because um, I'm young, 
and I'm healthy and I've seen uh, the data from the other countries and I know that most people are asymptomatic, but my feeling is that I'm mo uh, most people in the country still fear the virus. Um, one thing is that because of the previous um, measures and also propaganda and all the things and people already have an ingrained perception of the virus being very uh, damaging to the body and um, like the official propaganda, you know, still feel like, okay, the, the virus is, uh, is terrible. So I think most people still hold that hold that view. But for people who are more informed, for who are more educated, like um, my my friends in Shanghai, we I think we all know that it's not not such a big deal. Yeah. Junior says that if you did get COVID in Shanghai, then you got sent to one of the many temporary hospitals that have been built to quarantine patients, and the implementation of this policy has angered many people. China has a special method, which is called um, putting these people into a Fangcang hospital. Fangcang hospital is a makeshift hospital just made for uh, quarantine. These hospitals are made in a very fast speed, and uh, sometimes they just use the like the, the swimming pools, the exhibition centers um, to put these people. The policy is still that everyone who's tested positive need to go to those uh, Fangcang hospitals. Actually, that was one thing people were trying to demand for, to allow the asymptomatic cases to stay at home, to just recover themselves. Um, because if they all go to the hospital, first they take up a lot of resources from the hospitals, from the nurses, the, the, the uh, doctors, so they cannot treat the people who are, have real illness. So many people with other diseases were ignored. People just express their opinions on the, like the WeChat moments. Um, it's not really a public space because in China, it's hard to really um, discuss about these issues in a public space. But I could feel it, like among my circle, among my friends, uh, and even some neighborhoods uh, signed electronic uh, like statements uh, on WeChat moments saying that, okay, if someone is discovered um, positive uh, in my compound, we allow them to stay in the compound. The policy didn't change. Yeah, the policy is still that people need to go to the Fangcang Hospital. I heard um, many people were only taken to Fangzhong Hospital after many days they were tested positive because there was not enough space. Uh, there were some also some uh, funny funny cases that um, after they stayed at home uh, for one week waiting for the transfer to the Fangzhong Hospital, they have already turned uh, negative. <laughs> but then the people came, and <laughs> but then they still needed to go. The strict lockdown expired food and people being sent to quarantine hospitals understandably hasn't gone down well with many people. But that's not the only thing about the handling of this outbreak that has angered people. What about those videos on social media and news networks that show anger on the ground? I think it came in waves, actually. Especially last month, uh, from the, uh, since the middle of last month, after people started to get tired of the lockdown and I uh, think there was no sign that things were getting better. And the problems also started to emerge. For me, every day I woke up, I would just check my phone and then say what new 
uh, problems are emerging. So many uh, hospitals were closed because maybe one, um, one nurse or one doctor was tested positive, then the solution was just closing the whole hospital. That made the hospital not available to, to, to the people who are ill. So, uh, and also there was, there, were anger, there was anger about, um, you know, like the pets the dogs, the cats not being treated well because after their um, owner tested positive and was sent to Fang Chang, you know, they were, no one took care of them. And then there were people, the people in the, in some neighborhood committee would fear that they also carry the, vi the virus. There was one video that they beat one dog dead. And so those kind of videos went viral. And uh, I think the uh, government also didn't expect these problems. It did answer to some of the uh, problems. For example, uh, at first, the um, children were separated from their parents. If their parents tested positive, the te their parents would be sent to Fang Chang. And then <laughs> what happens with the children, right? Then the children would be sent, would be put at another place with only one nurse, several nurses taking care of a lot of um, children. And we also saw like videos of crying children at one center that also made people angry. Then the now I think the government has already built uh, a Fangtang hospital uh, for for families with children. All the reports come from came from the uh, citizens. When citizen reported something on social media, it would uh, really um, just spread very quickly, and then people would advocate for for that uh, person or that issue. So I guess it has become a little bit easier, but I'm really not sure because I know that there are still a lot of um, hurdles. Even if the government opens the uh, hospital, there are issues like if the compound let you out and how you, can you get to the hospital from the compound to the hospital without being, you know, without being able to drive a car. So it's like it's all in chains because the whole system is not working. Then it's still very hard for you to just um, do a simple test. The thing that I fear the most is also getting sick. You know, it you would need to go to a lot of trouble to even just buy what medicine or go to your doctor. Junia says her life has changed quite a bit since the outbreak. There's been sadness over the situation in her city, but at the same time, she was finally able to experience work from home. She feels like this lockdown has changed things about how she and her friends view life and the city. I think in the first several weeks. I was, um, yeah, I was still positive that uh, this lockdown would end soon. But then as the number um, continued to rise sharply, one period I did get a little bit upset because every day before you go to sleep, you read all those uh, sad news. And when you wake up, you wake up with the sad news and then you feel like, no, it's never going to end. I think I was also confused about many things that was happening and I couldn't really make sense of it. Uh, like why we uh, have been in lockdown and the numbers still rising so sharply and also why the tragedies are happening. Some of the tragedies are really like, um, can be avoided and you really ca cannot make sense of it. For example, like uh, how the ambulance uh, passing by can refuse to let one old man to get onto their um, ambulance to go to the hospital. 
and also how why people have turned negative and they still need to go to Fengtang Hospital. Many things, uh, good or bad, were magnified in this um, lockdown, in this pandemic. And then you, it really challenges your, uh, your previous perception about the city. Like I was really, I like the city and I also was so confident about the governance of the city. So I think that was a challenge for, for many people, how to make sense every, of everything. You know, if we sh- we can still continue to trust um, the policies and um, trust the governance, uh, trust the system, I think that was uh, one thing that this uh, pandemic has made many people start to think about. Because in my generation, uh, we haven't really experienced any big disasters like wars or uh, any um, revolution or or big, big disasters. Uh, so we never really felt the impact of the, um, the disruption, big disruption of your own life, like this pandemic. But most of the time, I think my, I, I'm also enjoying <laughs> working at home <laughs> on the positive side. I'm, I'm, I think now, now uh, the things start to um, look like a little bit uh, more hopeful. There was less anger I see on the uh, social media as people see the hope uh, is coming. But I do feel that the the pandemic has um, changed um, many people's perception about life, about the city and uh, yeah, everything. But would she consider leaving Shanghai after this experience? That's a very interesting question, actually. <laughs> I think it's a very good topic that came up during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I, I did. I did. I saw a survey uh, in a group, in an expatriate group, uh, so asking if people are considering leaving. You know, <laughs> there are a lot of people who answered yes. And I also uh, heard from my, my friends that like my friend abroad, uh, who said that she has been consulted more <laughs> about how to how to Im- immigrate, and um, I think I do hear that people um, start to to consider this uh, when they feel very uh, sad, disappointed, or especially when they say that okay, the West is enjoying the <laughs> open. There is, is, is now co- coexisting with COVID and uh, they can just go on with their normal life. And you are not changing your plans in any sense anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, for me, I think, um, yeah, it, it did may, make me start to rethink, but I haven't really made a decision yet, I will okay. say, because um, there are still things I really like about China and I really like about Shanghai. And I do believe that this is a temporary uh, state and it will eventually pass. And another reason is that I'm not completely uh, sure which way is a better way to uh, control the pandemic. You know, no one is sure. I know that now the current measures are not sustainable, and they, we need to find a, a more sustainable way. But um, like in the West, I also heard that um, 
some countries, um, they are also having you know, uh, a long waiting list in their uh, hospitals and a lot of people died. So I have a grandmother at home, a very old grandmother. So <laughs> I would also feel like, okay, if we cannot protect the old people, I wouldn't uh, vote for uh, opening the country, uh, opening up the country so quickly. But I do believe that we need to um, make some efforts to um, work toward that, like getting more vaccination for the old people. And that's, that's what I feel like we have bought time for. The lockdown paid so much sacrifice and price to buy time for those preparations. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe, and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.